right. So, hey, everybody. We are telling on ourselves, and I'm Vicki Rude. And I'm Lynn. And guess what? We don't have Brie today. No Brie. We're sad. But we do have a good pinch hitter. A very good one. <laughs> it's our biggest fan. Yep. Miss Cindy. We are so happy you're here. Thank you for being here. But say, we'll say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. And I'm happy to be here as well. And when we say Cindy's our biggest fan, she seriously from day one has really been one of our biggest supporters on social media and away from it. I know Cindy kind of through a winding road and she's gotten to know Vicki and Bree um, through me and through the podcast. And it's just been so cool to always have her feedback and her perspective. So it's always been kind of a cool relationship we have. And then when we were talking about getting some guests, I... I said, hey, I might have an idea. What about Cindy? Some, yeah, if I can twist some arms. So I'm, I'm very excited about today. It's going to be fun. Awesome. Get a whole different perspective. But, but I think Lynn has some first thought wrong action. I do. And I've got a little white dog on my shoulder and he's being all, he's being all flinchy. Um, yes, I have first thought wrong. And it actually happened just today at work. It's Ooh, so goody, goody gumdrops. <laughs> um, Mondays are always exciting. Not. <laughs> so... Um, my workload has kind of increased as COVID has set in because we do a curbside pickup. And I went from having anywhere from 15, 10, 15, 25 lunches a day to a pretty solid in the 30s and 40 a day. So shopping, um, which is what I do because it's still not big enough orders to get those delivered. So I still have to do shopping. So it's kind of always the bane of my existence is the shopping. And uh, we needed stuff from GFS, Gordon Food Service. Um, so I'd ask two of the other staff members if they could go. And they're like, yeah, just make the list. So I'm making the list. And whenever I'm doing it, trying to make sure it's clear enough for people that can't read my mind. I really do try to think about that. So I was probably over explaining. I was taking pictures and sending it to them so they know exactly what product it was because, you know, that's a control thing that I was really having issues with. It's like, I don't want them screwing up and then I'm putting so much on them and then, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Now you're talking about the boys. The boys. And it was actually Jim and Joe that went. And, okay. Um, so it was one of the staff, one of the full-time staff members and one of the, the boys is the youth staff that helped me. So they got back and uh, we were unpacking. And it was right when we were getting ready for lunch and Joe's pulling the stuff out and I'm out of kosher salt. And that's like a big deal for me. It's like, because I forget sometimes it's like, if I run out of kosher salt, iodized just doesn't work. So he pulls out a box of iodized and I went, dude, I need a kosher. And then he pulls out a box of kosher and he smiled and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. And I said, why? And he goes, I don't know. Jim had the list. He got it. So I go back, I go stomping back to his office. And I'm like, hey man, why'd you get iodized salt? And he said, because it was on the list. And I said, no, it was kosher. And he said, no, your list said salt and then kosher salt. And then I remembered when I was making the list, I wrote salt and I'm like, oh no, that's not right. Kosher. So I actually made two lists. So I had to eat a little bit of crow and apologize. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I jumped to conclusions and I just assumed that you didn't know what I was talking about. So I had to do a little bit of apology. Hey, that's what we do. So that Were you forgiven? Yes, I was forgiven. Okay, good. Well, I'm super excited for Cindy to be here. And I know uh, this isn't your, you're not used to this medium, uh, but I really am excited because what we, what's so important to me about this podcast is that it's just us chatting about what is going on in our life and how we have grown, what experiences we've had that have changed our lives for the better, sometimes 
for the worst, you never know, but but really just the the real raw truth of what happens. And we I wasn't aware of your history. And when Lynn asked for, you know, said, you really, we really should have Cindy on. Mm-hmm. I said, great. And she's like, and guess what? And I couldn't believe it. So no wonder why. Um, it, it's just so beautiful to hear that the other side of things. And I'll let you talk a little bit about yeah. that. Well, at first, uh, Cindy is a dear, dear friend of mine. I met her through one of my best and oldest friends um, when I first moved here to Illinois and I went to church with them. And that's where I met Cindy. And then I found out Cindy was a hairdresser. So she started cutting my hair and I was her dog sitter for her four sweet little dachshunds. So we had like a, a very fun kind of intertwining um friendship. And I think it was the first time I went to get my hair cut, we were talking and I told her that I was in AA. And she told me that she was a member of Al-Anon. So we talked about, you know, all of the things, all the things that happens in life and how we get to the point where we feel like we're kind of learning how to live life on life's terms, no matter what it throws at you and the gifts that are given to you when you surrender and let things go and accept it as it is. So that's, that's really what kind of solidified my love for Cindy. And then she became our number one fan. So, <laughs> so it's just very apropos. It is. So Cindy, if you want, I'll let you um, kind of jump in and tell us a little bit about your backstory. Okay. Um, first, I want to begin by just saying that I'm, I'm really grateful that um, I'm able to tell uh, my story and to share my, my story with the outcome that it, that it is right now. Um, because it could have been, you know, a lot different. Um, but anyways, um, I'll kind of go back. We've been married 34 years. Sean and I have been married for 34 years. And, um, you know, in the beginning of our relationship, um, you know, I was always kind of the controlled partier. Um, you know, uh, I like to, you know, have a drink or two and have fun, but um, it was enormous. never... Yeah, never, you know, never was a problem or, you know, I never, uh, I never got out of control or anything. And then uh, shortly after we got married, um, we wanted to have a family right away. So I got pregnant right away. And that's when um, my party life pretty much stopped. Um, I had, you know, a baby to take care of. And um, that, you know, of course came first. So the, you know, the drinking and the partying just really subsided for me. And, um, that wasn't the case with, with Sean. So, you know, as years went by, he, he is, um, was a bricklayer by trade and a very, very hard worker, which he still is today. And over the years he was, um, hurting his, beating his body up, um, just, you know, uh, working, you know, really hard and, um, you know, had a couple injuries as a, as a young person and, um, had some back, some genetic back problems. And, um, of course, you know, he started, um, going to doctors and getting, um, opiates and, um, you know, at first, I mean, it was, you know, it seemed completely legitimate. I mean, he, he did have a pain issue and, um, you know, I tried to be supportive and, um, there was a lot of alcohol consumption consumption going on too with him, but it was never really, you know, it was really never too big of a problem. I mean, it was, um, you know, I'd say pretty much con- a controlled situation. So, you know, as time went on, he 
um, I started to notice, you know, that the opiates were um, becoming more of a problem. Um, he was going to multiple doctors and um, getting, you know, uh, multiple prescriptions. And then, you know, he would run out early because he was, of course, overtaking them. And then, you know, then the withdrawal, the sickness started. Well, then, then the, the, the desperate um, behavior started, you know, um, the doctor wouldn't fill his prescription early or, you know, I mean, there were issues there and he just started getting stuff from, you know, people in the construction, um, world. There's always stuff like that out there. And, um, you know, I would say that it was starting to get noticeable that there was a problem. So, you know, we went, I went to multiple doctors with him, um, neurologist, um, orthopedic doctors, because he had, you know, back issues, back and shoulder issues. And most of them would not prescribe opiates. They said, you know, you're too young. Um, you need to, you know, learn, there's different ways of managing this. And he would get mad. He would get mad and angry and you know, I would try to, you know, talk him um, out of, you know, of feeling like that. And um, anyways, you know, time, time went on. And probably when our kids were like, maybe in their late um, middle school years, things started getting worse. And, you know, um, that's probably when his first rehab uh, started when he went into his first rehab, which always were orchestrated by me, always. Um, you know, I would find, you know, when, when something major happened and, you know, he'd have a big, you know, we'd have a big catastrophe with withdrawal or whatever. Um, he would admit that, you know, we had a problem and we would, I would find a rehab facility, some, some place that would coincide with our insurance. So, which is no easy feat. I mean, you have to make a lot of calls and you're yeah. on hold. Oh, yeah. It was that like, is a lot of work. Yeah. Sometimes I, I mean, I would literally be on the phone all day long. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, I would find a place and he would agree. And um, first one, you know, maybe, um, you know, a week or two after I would notice that, you know, I would either find a pill laying on the floor in the garage or you know, uh, there, he was back to it again. So, you know, he would promise me that, um, you know, it, he, he would be able to control it and, and he wouldn't, he wasn't going to go back to the, the old ways. Okay. Well, you know, I would try to support him and, you know, a couple of years would go on and we'd have another major, another major problem with opiates. So now he's going to pain control doctors and, um, two, sometimes three at a time. And, you know, they're just giving him prescriptions of what he would ask for. I mean, you know, I mean, the, uh, the Vicodin and, and, you know, the things in, in, on that level were not strong enough for him. So, you know, he would literally go, he had a pain doctor in Elgin. He would literally go into her and um, just ask for Oxycontin and she'd give it to him. And, you know, again, two, three weeks, he'd be out of it. And we would, you know, have, we would be running into, again, the serious withdrawal problems. Then, you know, the doctor suggested that I hold on to the medication and distribute it for him. Well, 
you know, I agreed, I tried to do that. And I mean, it didn't matter where I hit. I mean, it was, I just made myself absolutely crazy. I mean, I thought that I had control of the situation. I had absolutely none, no control at all. So, you know, there was probably a second, a third, maybe a third rehab. Maybe the third rehab was, um, I think that was the inpatient one. And he was in there for, I think, like maybe three, four weeks. And again, I was always at the family, um, you know, the family meetings and um, the support groups. And, um, you know, I would have it, you know, I would, I would be totally convinced that, you know, this time things were going to be better. And, um, then after that one, that's probably the third, after about the third rehab is when I started, um, at Al-Anon because I was kind of desperate. I was realizing that, you know, what I was doing wasn't working and I really had, I really had no control over did this situation. Just Al-Anon to you or did you look it up yourself or how did that work? Somebody, um, that I worked with was an Al-Anon member and she did help me get connected and, um, you know, I started going. And the first time around in Al-Anon, it was um, interesting. I didn't realize this till later, but, um, you know, I would sit in the rooms and I would listen to everybody's um, stories. And I would sit there and think, you know, what am I doing here? I'm not, these people are sick. I'm not on the same level as these people. You know, I, I, I mean, I get it more than them and I, I, I just don't feel like I should be here. And so I, I stuck with it for a little while and then I realized, I thought, you know what? I'm on the same level as every single one of these people. I mean, we have, you know, maybe a little different story, but I'm, I'm just, the, I'm just a sick and I'm doing the same things that they're doing. Can I so pop in I, for a question? Yes. So when you said you were sitting there and you were listening to everybody's story and you said, these people are sick, but I get it. What did you get? Did you get the disease? Did you get your husband? Like what was, what was it that you thought you got? Well, I thought that I was handling things better. Like I thought I was more understanding, more, um, my husband was, um, you know, loved me more, was better to me, was, you know, our relationship was better. I wasn't being abused. I was, you know, I mean, those kinds of things. I thought, you know, I'm just not, uh, I'm not the same, but I was the same. I really, I come. Did something lead up to you feeling like you were the same? Like, was there an incident or? You know, it just took me a while. It just took me a while of going um, more and more, going to different meetings, going and having, you know, an open mind that, you know, I I have to walk in here with an open mind and I have to see our the sames and not our differences. Mm-hmm. And that's um, exactly it, Cindy. And you know, we always talk about you have to be open and willing before yeah. any, anything else can happen. Exactly. And, and that's, I, I just, it, it was like, you know, a light went on and I just realized that, you know, I, I was the same. I, our stories may be different, but I was still in the same category. So then I found, um, I found a sponsor, my first sponsor and I didn't, eh, we didn't really click real well. You know, I stuck with her for a little while, went through the steps. Um, I just don't think I was in, 
head place at that time to really grasp what I needed to, to grasp. And um, things were, you know, better at home. Things were starting to get better at home. And so I just, I stopped going. Was he and, sober? Like, did well, he get sober? No, not really. Okay. I mean, better, but no, not really. So, so you know, a little time goes by and um, <clears throat> now things are starting to get really bad at home. Um, I'm noticing that um, I didn't know what I would walk into. Uh, I would come home from work and it could be anything. He could be passed out. He could be on the floor. He could, I mean, he could be driving. Um, and t- you know, it was, it was starting to get really bad and my anxiety and my, um, my desperation was starting to really amp up. I mean, I would, I would come home and literally be driving down Benny road and as soon as I would turn onto winding trail, I would get sick. I mean, it, it was, uh, it was starting, you know, it was starting to really affect me in a really bad way. And, um, you know, there was a chain of, a, a, a horrible chain of events that were, you know, happening. And, um, I noticed one day that he had a big abscess on his leg and I said, what, what is that? He goes, you know, I, I was at the doctor and she said she thought I should have it looked at. And I said, well, what, what is that from? And um, I, I don't know what he said. It was, it was it, he wasn't, he didn't tell me the truth, but I, but I believe, I had really no reason to not believe him. I had no idea what it was. So I went to the, I went to the emergency room with him and in the emergency room, I found out that it was an abscess because he was shooting, he was shooting drugs into his leg. And I was, I I was like numb, Uh, just numb. I, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I just walked out of the emergency room out of the hospital and I just left him there. I thought, you know, I, I just, I didn't, I was so like horrified that I just didn't know what else to do. So of course it was a big, you know, he walked home. Um, of course he was mad at me for, you know, for leaving. And, you know, we probably had a big, you know, we had a big fight. Um, and then from that point, I was, I was just kind of in a different state. Um, constantly anxiety ridden, afraid that, you know, now that, you know, I mean, I was finding needles. I was finding needles in his truck. Um, I called um, his doctor and um, we had shared confidentiality, confidentiality. So she, you know, had shared some things with me that I was, again, shocked with. And um, a day or so went by, I got a phone call from Sean and he was like completely um, annihilated, uh, could barely talk to me and didn't know where he was. He was driving, uh, didn't know where he was, didn't know how he got there. Um, and I called my son at home and I just said, dad's on his way home. Just make sure you take his car keys, have him go up and get in bed and just don't let him drive. So when I got home, I called the paramedics I thought, you know what? This is my opportunity. I, I, I can't, can't live with this another second. So I called the paramedics and the paramedics um, came to the house and um, took him to the hospital. 
And of course, you know, he, he was just, you know, loaded with all kinds of, um, all kinds of drugs. And when he was done uh, there, of course, he was mad at me again. I let him walk home and I wouldn't let him in the house. I called the police and, um, you know, he was, you know, um, banging on the, banging on the house with a hammer and scaring us and, and the police came and, um, I had the next day I had to file an order of protect, protection, went to court, um, and we separated. And um, it was probably the hardest thing I, I ever had to do because I, I, of course, I loved him. He's, I knew what he was underneath this, but I also knew that I couldn't live with it for one more second. And that was the opportunity to think about too. It wasn't just about you. It was your family. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I didn't care if I lost my house. I didn't care if, you know, I didn't care what happened. I, all I knew is that I couldn't live with that for another second. So, you know, it was pretty ugly at first. Of course he had nowhere to go. And, um, he found, you know, a, a crony, an old crony of his that he had worked with in construction that was an alcoholic lived in his dirty basement. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was the worst time of my life. I mean, I, that's when I really got involved with Al-Anon though. I got, that was the second go round where I found a really good, um, sponsor. I got really involved and, um, it, it just made such a difference in my life. And I'll tell you where, I mean, it it made a difference in a lot of areas, but this is where it made the biggest difference. You know, with our situation and what we went through, I, I feel like I was always supportive to him. I always tried to be understanding. I always tried to be loving and supportive. And, you know, I was always put up on a pedestal by people that knew me, my children, um, even him. You know, and I was never a yeller, a degrader, uh, you know, um, wasn't that type of a person. And um, when I was going through my, especially my fourth step, my sponsor said, well, you know, what's your part in this? I'm like, what do you mean? You know, what do you mean what's my part in this? You know, I'm, I'm the good one, you know. Then she said, well, come on. I mean, you, you had to have a part in this. And um So, you know, we kind of soul searched and I thought, you know, I did have a part in it. And my part was telling anybody that would listen to me, my, my tales of woe and all the horrible things that he, he had done and, and how, you know, how horrible and despicable his behavior was. And anyone who would listen, I would pour out and, and tell. And she said, well, you know, um, do you think that was the right thing to do? I mean, you know, you were, you were sharing, you know, personal, um, personal things that, you know, you shouldn't have been sharing with other people other than me or, and I thought, well, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I guess I did have a really big mouth and, you know, I did, uh, you know, I did, I guess I was, I liked being, you know, the victim to a certain extent. I enjoyed that, you know, because I like to be told that, you know, I was the good one, you know, and, um, you know, as time went on, I, you know, really started to look at myself 
And I started to, you know, think, wow, all that blabbing that I did, you know, to, I mean, a lot of it was to the wrong people because it came back to bite me real hard. I mean, I shared things with my family that I never should have shared um, because once, you know, okay, let me backtrack a little bit. So after, um, let's see, we had gone through the birth of my granddaughter. I did see shot. We met at the hospital to see her. It was just kind of a very awkward meeting. Um, and you're still separated at this time, right? We're still, and is he still using at this time? I had no idea what he was doing. Okay. So I would say yes. Yes, he was. Um, our 25th anniversary, you know, came around, you know, he acknowledged that that was another big, you know, heartbreak. Christmas was, was here. Another one, another, you know, heartbreak for me. Um, then, um, it was at, it was about January, I think about January, maybe January, February, I had to contact him for an insurance reason. And when I contacted him and we talked, it was just like something had changed. He asked if I would be willing to um, meet with him and talk. And I said, yes. And we, we met for dinner. And when I, when we, you know, talked, I knew that he was serious about changing and I gave him another chance. I thought, you know, I have to. Um, I I just, I wanted to. I guess I didn't have to, but I wanted to. I felt in my heart that it was the right thing to do. And I did get a lot of flack for that, you know, from a lot of different people. But I just, I really felt it. And um, he agreed to go to, uh, together, we again looked up insurance, um, who would take, you know, our insurance. And he went off to... Um, Oh gosh, was it Michigan? I think it was a um, it was a rehab center. It was a thirty day inpatient rehab center, and um, he was gone for thirty days. And when he came back, he was like a different person. And it took me, you know, it took me a while. I continued in Al-Anon for quite a while. Um, we both um, kind of worked together at, at some things. I, it took me a while to gain, you know, trust again. Of course. And, um, you know, relationships started to build again with my daughter, with my son, with um, our granddaughter. Um, uh, my family situation was a little bit uh, sketchy for a while because they, of course, didn't want to believe that, you know, he was um, on track, but he had to prove that to them, you know, and, and I chose to support him during, during that period of time. Um, it was rough for me because I, you know, I love my family was close to him, but I had to, you know, I had to support him and I had to believe in him. And, um, as time went on, um, of course I kind of really encouraged him. I wouldn't say push, but I encouraged him to do more AA meetings. Um, he, he did, do, you know, he did have a sponsor. He did go to AA, but you know, it just wasn't something that he, um, he just didn't, he didn't do it. I mean, he didn't need it, I guess, you know, and then, you know, uh, my sponsor said, stop trying to stop trying to, you know, find his path to sobriety. If he's sober and if he's doing, you know, what he's supposed to be doing, let him figure it out on his own. So I, again, I, 
just kind of let that go. And as time went on, I mean, it has been almost 10 years. Um, he has not, you know, had a drop of alcohol. He has not used any kind of drugs. Um, he, he does take uh, Suboxone. I don't know if you're familiar with Suboxone. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, yeah, it's, you know, it's a, it's a drug that um, they do give recovering opiate um, addicts. It's supposed to be, I think it's supposed to be a short-term thing, but um, he's regularly, regularly monitored actually through Dr. T's. Oh, wow. And, oh, nice. Yeah. Fans. And, um, <laughs> and, and it's, you know what, it's, it works. So I gave up on that too. I thought, you know what, if that's working for him. Um, but he, I mean, he has conquered so much in his family, my, my kids and everybody that knows him is just so, you know, proud of, um, where he's come. And, you know, the last 10 years have been the best years of our life, of course. You know, I mean, they now, I mean, I should I was just going to say the kids are gone, but they're not because, (laughs) because they're here every day, (laughs) but that's a good thing. So, um, you know, two grandkids and, um, you know, he's had some real, uh, some pretty bad health situations with his shoulders. Um, he's had four failed rotator cuff surgeries and, Uh and that a lot of that did contribute to, to, um, you know, the drug use. Um, and the, he was just so beaten because he lost his, his career as a bricklayer. Um, it was, it was a real, it was a really rough time. And, um, but you know, again, he's risen above that. Um, you know, it's amazing when you're take, when you're, you know, on that level of medication, you don't even know how much pain you're in, you know? So once you're totally off of it, he's able to manage it. I mean, he's still, you know, he's still in pain, but you know, he gets in the hot tub. He, you know, just has to back off on, on work. And I mean, he knows how to manage, you know, his, his life, uh, just the way that he should now. So, so, you know, every day to me is a blessing. Um, I'm grateful for, you know, everything that I've been given, everything that, that I've learned along the way. Um, and, uh, and, you know, listening to your, like, like, um, Lynn said to me, there's always going to be a challenge. There's always going to be a person challenging me. <laughs> I kind of thought, I kind of thought changes. I was over, <laughs> I thought that, I thought I was over that, but. <laughs> but no, as um, long as we're breathing, Cindy, there's going to be somebody there. <laughs> that's right. And, and you know what, a, a lot of times, um, it, it goes, I have to take it back to me. And, um, you know, examine kind of my, um, my, what I, my motives and my actions and, um, you know, uh, the four agreements seriously has been one of the, the biggest impacts in my life because, uh, usually, you know, any kind of conflict or any kind of, you know, aggravation I have with, uh, a situation I can, I can work it out just by, you know, going to that book or sometimes I don't even have to go to it. I just, you know, go over it in my head and remember certain things and I can just let it go. So, um, I've come a long way as well. And, and with your podcast, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to your podcasts and it's on a subject that I'm, I'm dealing with and that I'm frustrated with. And I just hear that perspective and I think, oh my gosh, everything's fine. (laughs) 
you well, know, it's so it's, funny that it's so divine sometimes when all these things, just what you need to hear is just what you turn on. And I yes. love when that happens because for me in my recovery, I need those reminders, those winks from the universe saying, okay, this is, this is maybe where you might want to think about things. <laughs> exactly. I call them my neon signs and I'll be in a meeting and it's like, there's this giant neon sign flashing. Sometimes it's let it go. Sometimes it's surrender, you know, sometimes it's forgiveness and yeah. um, it is divine, I think. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I've always, I, I've always, I always have been a forgiving person. Um, I feel better when I can forgive. Um, I, I just feel better inside, you know, I'm, I'm happier. I'm more content. I'm more at peace with myself when I'm able to let go of things. Um, you know, I was thinking the other day, I haven't been to an Al-Anon meeting in a long time and I'm in such a different place now than I was Mm -hmm. when I was at my last Al-Anon meeting that I would really like to go back. And, and I, just to share um, a different insight in a different place that I am in my life with people who may be struggling a little bit and that need, you know, a little bit of hope, you know, they, they just need that. They, they, they just need to hear that, um, you know, things, things are going to be okay. You know, no matter which way they go, they're going to be okay. If you get yourself together, you know, um, it, it's going to be okay. But now I can't, you know, I can't do that because there are no meetings, right? Oh, I, I was just going <laughs> to tell you, I have recently started going to Al-Anon via Zoom and uh-huh. there's some really cool meetings that I've attended online. So I can yeah. absolutely share that and I can share okay. the list. I'll also share it in the show notes for anybody else because this disease, I mean, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you so much for oh, sharing you're welcome. that. You're I mean, welcome. what a beautiful story. And what, I mean, we're all so beautifully broken, right? Um, when this disease takes hold of a family, it affects us all. And I think you said a bunch of things that I wrote down that were very powerful. And first of all, what I noticed about your story was the toll it takes on the person that's managing the alcoholic, right? On the, or the addict, the person that's going through the disease. And when the, the person that's going through the disease is sick and tired and exhausted. And they, but they have blinders on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yes, ab- absolutely. I have no idea about the fallout. Oh my goodness. And all the stuff that, that you carry. And physically, it might not be that heavy, right? And and the tangible fact, but the emotional drain that is put on us when we have someone, because, you know, I have a family member that is in the disease and the emotional drain and the backlash that it, it hits everybody. It, it yeah. hits everybody. And it's so, it's such a, it's such a, terrible disease. It really is such a terrible disease because you know what I heard when you said, then it would get better for a little bit. And then a couple of years, something bad would happen and then it would get better. And I was hearing the progression of the disease, right? The progression of the disease and how it was, wasn't always a a shit show all the time, but but it kind of like the, there there would be drops of it. Right. And then towards the end, it just was, you couldn't do it. You just physically couldn't do it anymore. And you had to surrender. You just didn't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. 
Um, I thought it was really cool. One of the things that I noticed, Cindy, uh, were the parallels between your journey and uh, recovering alcoholics journey. And one of the things you said kind of towards the beginning was you were desperate. And we often call that the gift of desperation. And another thing that you said, and I have goosebumps just talking about it because I had no idea how similar our journeys are. And you said, I decided I couldn't live this way anymore. And that's what we say. It's like, I don't know what it's going to be like the other way, but I can't live this way anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and those two things hand in hand. Um, it's, it just, I, I guess I never thought about how similar our journeys are. Yeah. It's so true. And it's like this, this moment where you have to open yourself up and set aside your thoughts. And it reminded me of the set aside prayer mm-hmm. and you have to like, all those thoughts you had about other people or what you thought you needed to be or what you thought what your life looked like, right? Or was supposed to look like. And and how brave of you to do that because you loved him and you had to lock him out and you had to do things that you never in a million years imagined you would be able, would have no, to do. Yeah. You know, but you did for your kids and for yourself. And for yourself. Yeah. Well, and another really... Um, another really good thing too, is all these years, we, we totally put that behind us. We don't talk about it. We don't relive it. Um, we, you know, we live completely different and this is our life now. And we just, we just don't go to that anymore. We never really have. It's like once it was ended and we worked through it, we, we let it go. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. It, you, you, you two truly are miracles. And to be able to be that person that can say, that was in the past, we're going to leave it there, and we're only moving forward now. Oh, my God, Cindy. That's yeah. amazing. I mean, we both made mistakes, of course. You know, we both made mistakes. And we both, you know, went through the period where we, um, you know, we apologized to each other and we made amends to each other. And then we just put it behind us, you know? So So can I I ask um, for you, do you, do you know around the time when you finally knew for sure that you were in forgiveness, you were living in forgiveness, that you weren't holding on to anything? Um, it was when, um, we got, when I agreed to, um, have come, let him come back home. And, um, yeah. I mean, I felt it in my heart then that, you know, it was, there was, things were going to be different. They were really going to be different. And I was going to do everything that I could do. And I felt in my heart that he was too. And, you know, it, it was the right time. It was just the right time. Trust and belief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I would say just because I know you so well, I think your faith anyway, and your higher power, don't you think probably had a lot to do with that too? Oh yeah. Courage. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, you know, I mean, just in the past, you know, three or four years, then we found St. James together Mm -hmm. and that's been like a whole, I mean, all new, I mean, the friends we have there, I mean, you know, Carrie, um, Trudy, uh, Sarah, you know, it's amazing community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, we, right. And the, we, that we always talk about, we, that's what we need. We need that support and love and unconditional you know, uh, I don't know, looking the same direction, right? When we're, when we're looking the same direction and we have something in front of us that is, uh, beautiful and releases things. Um, 
I'll have to say that I don't know if, uh, if we're wrapping up, but I want to say with my golden nugget because I don't want to lose it. Yeah. So my golden nugget of your story was this beautiful moment. And I'm, I think this is the, I've never, ever, ever thought about it like this, but the most succinct way to describe the disease. And you said, I know what he was underneath it, underneath all the problems and all the, the disease. Um, but you couldn't do it for another second, but you knew what he was underneath it. And I think that is, that is where that love, that, that, that hope that came back, right? Because you knew that that wasn't who he was, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. What a beautiful I know, separating the disease from him. Um, Gold nuggets, as I said, were those parallels. And then I like too how you, when you said every journey is different, when you were talking about his approach to sobriety, and you're right, there, there, there's no one set way that sobriety works for anyone, nor is there a set way for how their family members support that person. And as long as it's working for you, and you're happy, and you're honest, and you know, that's, that's all that matters. Yeah. I think that's yeah. fantastic. The healing, right? The healing. Yeah. 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 Oh, Cindy, yeah. thank you so much for sharing. Oh, you're us. welcome. I'm I'm really glad that I did this. And, you know, like I said, I'm not, um, sometimes I just get like brain fogged, you know, yeah. when I'm trying to think, especially things that are this, uh, that touch me like this, you know, but um, it, it all, it all turned out good. Yeah. Well, you have a beautiful story of hope. And um, how long did it take for you guys to get back together? How long was that? Like in terms it was of time? Three months. Three months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, what a gift for you and your family. I am so grateful. Alcoholics Anonymous and Al-Anon and all these programs, um, they just plant seeds in us and, yeah. and open us up a little bit so that we can maybe do what you did and forgive and also protect yourself at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I was blessed. There's no, no doubt about that. So, and you know, and and I, another thing too, is, you know, I think that my children now, I mean, it was different for them, for them then, but now they look up to, um, the courage and the strength that we both display during that time, as hard as it was for them then, now they look back and they, it's, it, it's a good, it's a really beautiful thing for them too, you know? Well, that that shows, um, because I've only known you post all of that and you're seriously one of my favorite couples because you're so loving and respectful with each other. So for your, for your kids to see what, what can happen if you just have faith and honesty and you work towards something? I mean, that what a great example. Yeah, because it wasn't always a pretty picture. <laughs> you know, it usually isn't. No, <laughs> no, no, your it house or having the police call. Like, that can't be pretty. And what are the neighbors yeah. saying? <laughs> no, that that was a that was more than once too. There was a two or three times in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> we all have our, our stories. Oh, it, yeah, it gets ugly. I mean, it is ugly. Yeah, that's one thing that I wrote down. The disease is ugly, you know, and there's no yeah. way around it. But, the well, there is a way around it. And you guys found it. You yeah. found a way around the ugly parts to, to the underneath of the core of that love that you have for each other and your children. And, oh my gosh, I mean, what a beautiful 
blessing and, and, and to be able to forgive and know that, that you can move on and you don't have to live in that anymore. And what a, what a beautiful thing. I'm just yeah. completely touched and honored to, to hear your story and that you actually came on to share it with, I'm sure it's going to help somebody. Absolutely. I hope so. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> And we will include in show notes um, information about Alan on Zoom meetings mm-hmm. and about Alan okay. in general. Yeah, and, I would love that. And thank you, thank you, thank you. So oh, you're welcome. Your you're so you're so welcome. <laughs> we love you. Love you too. You are our biggest fan. We love you oh, so I much. Am. And All tribe right. out. You want to tell tribe us out? Tribe out. Tribe out. Tribe <laughs> out. Thanks, Cindy. Bye, girls. Thanks for listening. We're so excited you're here. Please subscribe, rate, and review at Apple Podcasts. We're also on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. You can find us and join our tribe at Telling On Ourselves on Instagram and Facebook. Tribe out.